0: You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. If you want to live, lead, and love better in your life, you're in the right place. On today's episode, I want us to talk about your lovers. Now was that too forward? No worries. We'll get to know each other more in the combo. So, you ready? Let's work. Um, oh yes, we back at it. Welcome to Soul Work With Son. I hope you missed me as much as I missed you. And if you're new to the crew, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. We're officially in season three and I am hype about what's to come. And I really want to thank you for riding with me like I'm riding with you. Now we recently crossed another milestone for downloads and I could not be more excited. We working and growing all the way up. So keep listening, and if you find value, keep sharing, subscribing, and leaving reviews. It helps us to get the word out that our souls are worth the work. Now, I only took two weeks away to study up for the season, breathe a little bit, and organize myself, or at least try to. Am I the only one that has to organize what I'm trying to organize? Father, jeez, I hope not, help Lord. Now, in that short span of time, so much has happened. Folk tried to take over the Capitol. We got a new president and Bernie Sanders is now the poster child picture for, all right now, wrap that testimony up. You're taking too long. (laughs) He's a big mood and I'm sure we've all experienced that. And though it's over, can I just rant just for one second about that daggone domestic terrorist attack that we all watched with jaws open? Not only at the brazen behavior, but at the downright double standard played out for the whole world to see. Now, of course, there's a lot that can be and has already been said, but I just want to say this. In my life so far, I have never seen a principle more lived out than the biblical one of sowing and reaping. So to paraphrase Paul, I'll say it like this. Do not play yourself. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, That is what he or she will also reap. And while it does often refer to the act of generosity, Paul uses this principle to explain a universal law. Typically, whatever you get out of life, it's because of what you put in. So here's America, most recently being led for the last four years by a man who openly discriminates racially and otherwise. He sown seeds of division, propaganda, and hatred for his entire time as leader of the free world. This terrorist act, it was inevitable, because honestly, when you sow discord for so long, you're not going to reap peace, not ever. That may be a word for some of our churches and denominations, but I digress. See, I'm not heavy into politics, so have no fear. This will not turn into a show with that kind of commentary. But I did just want to pause to present how significant the truths are in scripture and that it shows up even in the political square. So you'll never get fruit from a seed you didn't sow. Now, to be clear, while I'm grateful that the past administration is now gone, I think it's important to be aware that the president was never meant to be the Messiah. They're also not pastors. Uh, And this is not a Christian nation. If we want to really go all the way in, it wasn't founded by Christians. They were deists. But let me leave that alone, too. I think sometimes we place expectation on folks and it's just weird. I'm not expecting the Biden administration to be anything more than decent, respectable and Lord speaking full sentences again. Jesus, y'all remember those good old days? Okay, okay, my rant is over. If the past four years hasn't taught us anything, it's that good leadership. It is critical but none more critical than first leading ourselves. And that kind of leadership requires right formation. Ooh, is that my segue? I think it is. Let's get this music going because we're ready for the main event. Today, I want us to dive into spiritual formation. This is literally the theme of this season, but we're going from a different perspective for this show. Now, in season two, we did an episode that shared an overview of formation. So we talked about developing a rule of life or daily rhythms and the truth that no one ever, ever wins by accident. But we also briefly tapped in on the idea of being formed, being shaped towards becoming the person that you may or may not want to be one way or another. We are a people in constant movement. We're either moving closer to or further away from the image of God. See, neutrality doesn't exist. This really matters because if we peel back all of those layers, the language reveals a simple question. Who are you? And fam, there's an answer and it's one that blew me away. And I'm gonna be honest, it kind of bothered me too. I used to think that in the area of change and habits and overall development, your thinking was the best and highest way of existing. See, we've all heard the phrase, I think, therefore I am from Rene Descartes and other sentiments like knowledge is power and education is the key to a good life. It's a commonly held notion that information is the key ingredient to transformation. But fam, we know plenty of people who know a whole lot, but... uh. They act foolish. If we're ready to tell it, we're guilty of it ourselves. Some of us right now, right now in the community, we may be in relationships or friendships where we know this ain't it. And yet, every time they call, we answer. What's the bottom line? Information is not enough. To put it plainly, we are not what we think or what we know or even what we do. We are what we love. Yo, we are lovers first. We do not rely on thoughts alone. In fact, our thoughts typically come from our desires. We're wired to love. It's inescapable. The question for all of us, no matter what we've gone through in life, is not if we'll love something, it's what we choose to love. What or who. It's our love that drives our desires. Our wants come from our loves. Jesus understood this concept perfectly when two disciples, fascinated by what was going on, I think it was John and Matthew, but I could be wrong, they begin to follow him in John 138. Now, Jesus doesn't turn around and ask them what do they believe or what do they think or what do they know to be true. He asks them what we are constantly asking ourselves. What do you want? What are you looking for? That question alone is a litmus test into revealing our love. The thing that drives us, it gets us up in the morning. The thing that moves us toward the vision that we have in our mind of success. Now, you know what I'm talking about, that whisper in your soul that says to you that once you get, win, marry, make, build, show, prove, or have this thing or person or project, then you'll be good. Then life will be good. That drive, that relentless pursuit is for your ultimate love. And, and since this is a safe space, it's okay to admit that while he'd definitely make the top three, Jesus may not be number one on our list yet. And sure, it'd be easy to go into a righteous rant about how terrible it is that we haven't made Jesus our everything. But why would we do that when it's evident in our church culture? It's blatant in the political false prophecies and publicized throughout the consistent moral failings of our leaders that we are not by ourselves in this we are simply ready to drop the pretense and be honest. Like, yeah, we may be very well blessed and highly favored and gifted and struggling to love Jesus supremely. So I'm reading this book and it's it's called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. And this is where I'm getting a good part of the information. And he has this premise that you are what you love, right? But his second one is this. Yes, you are what you love, but you may not love what you think. The idea here is that love, the driving under the radar force that it is, love is a habit. It's something that springs up from within the deepest parts of us to act at will, unconsciously sometimes guiding us along towards fulfilling our desires, whatever that may be. Now, to be clear, it's not just an uncontrollable urge. It can be controlled, but more often than not, We're not aware that it's in the driver's seat in the first place. And see, this kind of activity, this kind of rhythm, if you will, it's worship. Thus, we are what we worship. And what we worship, we become. Because the activity of worship, the lifestyle of worship is not just something we do. Worship does something back to us. It shapes us. So to quote the book, what he writes, Smith writes this, we become what we worship because we worship what we love. So in regards to the throne of our hearts, something or someone will always be supreme. And fam, this is a very big deal because when you think about it, when it was time to sin, you didn't intellectualize your way into it, no matter what the thing was. Nah, you you felt that way. That was passion. That was desire. That was want. Our heart was at the helm, aiming itself towards the path of pleasure. Now, in the same way, it must be that our heart be led to Jesus. So yes, knowing the word is crucial to your faith. And having a Christian education is beyond significant. Hear me healthily. We need to know our Bibles. But knowing is not enough because you cannot think yourself holy. You cannot think yourself healed or whole. It takes the heart through consistent practice and guarding to be transformed into who he called us to be. So the heart must be renovated. The heart must be renewed and it must be redirected from the worldly influences that, like any lover, makes its demands. So to quote the great philosopher L. O. Cool J, who was quoting the great artist Bernard Wright, who do you love? Are you for sure? (laughs) What has gripped your heart and filled it with an imaginary narrative that's heading in the wrong direction? Because yes, fam, it's this same heart that is tricky and deceptive, like Jeremiah says. He even goes further to ask, who can know it? Our hearts can have us loving the idea of something or someone. We can chase that thing for years, decades even, get it, and then still be miserable. That's not an intellectual endeavor of misunderstanding. That's our heart having a tantrum. My mama taught on this topic once and she explained it this way. Our heart hides itself from itself. In other words, it will play us. And yet the influence of the world tries to continually tell us that we should follow our heart. And yet the Bible says, don't play yourself. It can't be trusted. So what do we do? What do you love? Who do you love? If it's money, power, acceptance, significance, beauty or security, whatever it is, it's the thing that you love that is guiding and leading you towards an end that may not be what you expected or intended. So every once in a while, it is worth asking ourselves, where am I going? And is this what I want? Think of a giant ship, right? Even just one to two degrees off of the direction. It can take the ship entirely off course. And so it is with the object of our love. We can say we love Jesus, yes. But what if we find ourselves loving the rules more? We can say we love Jesus, sure. But what if we just really love the gift, right? Like what if I'm more obsessed with becoming a prophet than actually really becoming like Jesus. Huh? Am I can I touch it? We say yes, my heart is for him. I love Jesus. He's my supreme love. But if I'm always judging, if I'm always the standard, if I think I got it, is it possible that I may just really love the law more? 1 to 2 degrees off center. And we'll find ourselves years later in a place we never imagined. Because here's the thing with love. It's going to show up in our daily habits, our choices, our mindset every single time. So you've got to ask the thing you love. Is it leading me to where I want to go? All right. right, I'm. A, hey, we're we going to do this, right? We're doing it. It's season three. I'm getting comfortable with y'all. I'm a share. So I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm studying and I'm praying. And I asked the Lord, do I have a love? Yes. (laughs) Without reservation, hesitation. Yes. Uh, So no room to play myself. I asked the Lord, I said, what is my love? And he responded almost instantly. Comfort. Son, your love is comfort. You don't rock the boat and you don't like it when the boat is rocking you. And it's true. And fam, comfort as my love. As my lover, it shows up in my conversations. So instead of having the challenging conversation, perhaps I'm just going to play it straight instead of um, reaching out even or getting uncomfortable with just learning, making, sharing with new friends. It's like, "Eh, let me just let me just chill and stay comfortable. How else does it show up? In my downtime. Maybe you should be getting yourself together. Maybe you should be planning, preparing, meal planning. Maybe you should be reading something that's helpful. What you doing scrolling? Well, scrolling is easier, isn't it? Maybe you should be listening to your kid tell you for the 300th time the same story. Y'all ain't praying. Okay, (laughs) let me get get to my point. But it shows up in our downtime. And my food choices, chocolate, how'd you get back here? In my hand, what you doing? (laughs) Because it's comfortable. Salad's not comfortable. Chocolate is my friend. And even in the journey towards wholeness, right? So we're trying to be healed, trying to be made whole and stuff starts coming up to the surface and it's what? Uncomfortable. So we do whatever we can. I do whatever I can to find that comfort. But here's the thing. Ease, it has the sneakiest way of appearing friendly. It comes alongside it appears to, come alongside to help when in fact, ease is one of the most harmful enemies of this great gospel. Nobody's ever done anything worthwhile easily. Ease does not change the world. And that is what we're called to do. And trust me, comfort, like any lover, will make its demands. See, it's not okay with consistent focus. It is threatened by discipline, and it thinks that spiritual practice is highly overrated. Lord, help. How do we love Jesus more in a world that is so deceptive, distracting, and demanding? Well, take heart, fam. It's going to be okay. Learning to love God takes practice Practice. Yes, Alan Iverson, practice. Practice is simply the process of training. We've got to train our hearts and as Smith says, curate our love to truly be transformed. We understand the concept of training when we talk about great, great athletes or high performers. Kobe Bryant and his incredible work ethic. He was a man that would stay for hours after games to shoot again. And again, that's great practice. We'll see LeBron James and his million-dollar investment just in his body to achieve the greatness he desires. They didn't start off amazing, incredible, world-class champions. They trained towards that. But why is it when we come to God, First, it's always, I'm just trying to live right. I'm just trying to do my best. And then we expect to speak in tongues, shout, spin three times, tap your neighbor and tell him I'm on my way, (laughs) fall out and get up completely. What? healed, delivered and set free? Fam. Now, I love me a good bump just like anybody else. And I pray that we never lose our sound ever. But the change we're looking for, it's going to take more than a click track and a B3. So we've got to stop trying and start training. Now that's next week's title episode, but I just figured I'd drop it early because I am woo when I tell you I'm excited about that one. So let's sum it up. Let's wrap this up. What do we know? We know that it's not just what we think or what we do that makes us who we are. It is actually what or who we love. And that because humans are lovers first if we ever want to heal and grow it is wise to start at the heart level rather than the head we know that knowledge is important but it is not the primary path towards transformation renovating the heart is and lastly while we know that change is not an overnight job We're walking away with a greater understanding that making Jesus the supreme love of our hearts, it's more than mighty declarations when it feels good and the Spirit is on us. It's deeper than a yes, Lord, cry at the altar, much as I love those. It takes practice, training, and patience to work with Holy Spirit as he brings about the change in us. And yo, that's good news because we have grace We have Jesus and a community of fellow believers willing to join together to learn, sharpen, grow, and train so that we can be made in the image of his son by loving him more than anything else. And yo, God is faithful. He's already promised to be with us. He's never going to leave us. And he's not a liar. He said he's going to complete the work that he started in all of us for his glory. So when we think about it, it's not just a matter of us holding on to him. It is that he is always holding on to us. Well, fam, that's it for me. I'm about to run on and make dinner tonight. I'm trying short ribs for the first time. And uh, hello, why couldn't y'all tell me how expensive them things is? This may be your first and last time, mighty master. I'm only committed to those prices for ox steel, amen? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Soulworkwithsan.com, S A H N is the website. San Pope is the IG, and I'd love to connect with you. Let's heal together, fam. Remember, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day it's well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.